0: get there to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Finishing our sermon series this week, I am a church member. Thank you so much for the response, for the uh, nice comments that you've had about reading the book. Um, I heard from so many of you this past week about our sermon last week, and so many nice comments, and, and uh, thank you for that. It's always encouraging to hear those things, and I hope that uh, the book has meant something to you. I hope that the series that I've done has come back and reemphasized those things, and I um, I appreciate the, the time that we've had here um, doing uh, church together, doing life together, and looking at church membership. I had the opportunity yesterday, about 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, I had some friends call me. I was in McDonough, Georgia. Bree and I had to go over there for a little while yesterday to take care of some family business, and... I had some friends call me yesterday about 2 o'clock and they uh, told me that they were cooking and they wanted me to come and eat with them that evening and watch some football. And uh, I told them I would and I knew they didn't believe me. Um, but uh, I, I told Bree on the way home, I said, I'm going to ride out there and, and, and eat some chicken and watch some football with these guys. And uh, I went and I, I didn't get, we didn't get home and, um, when I thought we were going to and it was probably about 7.30 before I ever got there. And when I walked up, they said, When it got dark, we we thought you'd lied to us. And I said, no, I'm here, and I'm ready to eat. Um, So we ate, and we had time together. These are my friends from 35, some from 40 years ago, 35, 30 years ago. And we ate, and we watched football, and we laughed, and we talked. And the question was asked, they all wanted to know, what are you preaching about tomorrow, preacher? And I said, well, my sermon tomorrow I'm glad you asked. I said, I'm preaching about being a church member. I said, one of y'all is one of my church members, and you ain't been to church in a long, long time. (laughs) I said, I'm glad you asked. But we began to talk, and I told him that my my sermon this morning was entitled, I Will Treasure Church Membership as a Gift. And And so we began to have a theological discussion there, standing around a fire, talking about what is the church? Where is the church? And who is the church? And I was able to talk to them and expound with them for a while, and, and it was really good. And I, I, it began to, you know, just really roll my sermon around in my head even more. But the church, the concept that people have about church, my friends that I was talking to all grew up with a concept of church being a building, church being a place where you went once or twice a week, and church being a place where there was a preacher who came and visited you when you were sick and who preached a sermon every week and who went to bed with a coat and tie on and woke up with a coat and tie on and that was their concept of church. And we began, I had the opportunity to tell them that church is so much different than that. Church is people. And church is opportunities. And church is wonderful. And being a member of a church is a wonderful thing. And it opens up so many doors for us to use the gifts that we have. I love the opening scenarios here that Tom Rainer had in this chapter, the two scenarios he gave of a child who had to clean his room. And scenario number one was the child was told in a very rigid, very strict way that the, the parent who um, was talking to this child was seeking perfection. They were going to come back in, and they were going to just about inspect that room like a drill instructor would. My dad used to tell me, that uh, when, when he, uh, he said that I was afraid to make a bed, he'd watched me make my, I had to make my bed up every day. Wasn't no, way, no I didn't leave my house if my bed wasn't made. And my dad told me, he said, I, he said, I expect to be able to see a quarter bounce off of it. He said, that's what they taught me in the Air Force. Well, I never was able to get a quarter to bounce off my, you know, when, off the covers, having that tight. But this first scenario, there was a child who was told, you know you do it and you and there's no reward in it but the second one scenario was that there was a gift awaiting the child that there was a special gift and and as the child was cleaning he had this anticipation and this joy about that gift that he was going to receive um he didn't see it as a job but he saw it as a joyful thing to do and he gave Tom Rainer the opportunity to to come in and and to compare uh, church membership. Some people's concept of church membership is being like being a member of a country club. In um, option one, they, the pastor feeds them through his sermons, and the sermons better be short, and the music has to fit a certain style exactly. There can't be any deviations. The programs and ministries are for the benefit of the people that were there, and it was filled with perks, privileges, and service. And then there was the biblical concept of church membership. That he talks about. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. He talked about the biblical perspective of the gift. The gift of church membership. And he talked about the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation. Um, And he begins to expound on all of these scriptures. And if you read the book. And you, you read this chapter. There's some really good content right here about salvation and about the importance of the gift of salvation. He talked about how a high school football coach sat him down one day and read Romans 3.23 to him and it began to become a reality to him that he was a lost person and that just going to church was not going to make him okay with God that there was something different there And something more. There was the reality in Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Now in the Greek, who does all mean? Everybody. The Greek, that means everybody. There's no exception. There's not one of us sitting here this morning who has not sinned. And if we look at that, we can look at it two ways. We can look at it that as that being bad news. Or we can look at it that it's really good news. That there are no exceptions to God's standard. That no matter how much money you have or how hard you work or what you may have done or what level of success you may have attained in life, that in God's eyes everyone is equal because He looks at us all in Romans 3.23 and he says that all have sinned. There was that reality. And then he was shared with the penalty. In Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. There is a penalty for our sins. There is a wrath and a judgment that God holds for sin. The hatred that God has for sin. And there's a penalty for for sin, and that sin is death which came in in Genesis chapter 3 and ruined all of creation. And from that moment on, death became a reality for all of us. But then we see that there's a great swap that goes on there. <clears throat> we see in these first two verses that we have sin and that sin is going to bring us to death But here's the gospel in a nutshell. If you ever want to just simply share the gospel with somebody and you're looking for a verse to do that with, write down 2 Corinthians 5.21. Because this is it. He said, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now think about that for a moment. That's everything you need to know about the Gospel. God made Jesus, who knew absolutely no sin, had never committed a sin, God made Him (coughs) to become sin for us. God laid every sin that you ever committed, every sin that you ever will commit, every sin that all of humanity would commit, He laid those sins on Jesus Christ and Jesus became sin for us there on the cross, the one who was perfect, the only one who could be our substitute. God put Him there so that He could swap His righteousness, His unblemished character, His sinless life, He could swap that to us and we gave Him our sin. You ever heard of a better deal? We call that being re-what? Redeemed. I'm redeemed. Remember singing that old song out of the old hymnal? I'm redeemed. It had that bass part. I'm redeemed. I'm available for the Christmas musical. Right there. I'll be in between Danny and Pam right there. Man, I can remember when I was a kid, I used to redeem Coke bottles. I'd take I would go around, me and my buddy Kevin Fagan, we would go all over Piedmont on our bicycles, and people didn't know, I guess people that had so much more money than we did, they didn't know, they'd throw their Coca-Cola bottles out the window, they didn't know that you could take those down to Jitney Jungle or Lively's, and you could get three to five cents for that Coke bottle. Well, me and Kevin had spent all day riding around picking up Coke bottles and putting them, and we'd go later on that day. We might have made a dollar, but we thought we was rich. But they'd take that old nasty Coke bottle that somebody had thrown out that was filled with dirt. Every now and then you'd pick up one that was full of snuff juice. They'd take them old nasty Coke bottles. We called them Coca-Cola's when we was a kid they'd take those old nasty bottles and they'd send those bottles back to Chattanooga and they would take them and they would take them through this process and this steam cleaning process and that bottle that was so dirty and filthy on the outside, this cake with mud and cake with all kind of stuff inside, that bottle would come out on the other side redeemed. It was usable again. You see, in its condition out here in the ditch, it wasn't worth anything. It couldn't be used. You didn't want to pick it up and drink it out You didn't want to go home and take and, and, and take your Coca-Cola and, and, and pour it in there and drink it. It was filthy. You see, I was in a ditch and I was filthy. I was in a ditch and I was unclean. I was a nasty human being. And Jesus Christ went to a cross and He bled and died for my sins and your sins. And one day... One day, Jesus said, God the Son said to God the Holy Spirit, go get that one right there. I'm going to redeem Him. And here's what He did. They didn't run me through a pressure washer. I was too dirty. It took the blood of Jesus Christ to clean me. That's the only thing that would clean me and make me whole. And now... When Jesus when when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me as that old nasty useless person that I used to be. He looks at me through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't see that old nasty person that used to be. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. Now, do I always act like Jesus? You talk to my wife, and she'll tell you yesterday when I had to get up yesterday morning ride right all the way to McDonough, Georgia, to do family business with her family, not my family. I wouldn't, you know, and then I got to listen to her and Bryson. I don't know that they even like each other. I got to listen. I'm sitting in the back trying to study, my, try to study my Sunday school lesson, and they're up front just at each other's throats, and I'm sitting here thinking, good grief. I, and, and so I got involved then. And I told them both, "You are, either one of y'all, open y'all's mouth again till we get to McDonough, Georgia. i am put both of you out. I'm lucky I'm not on Highway 9 somewhere right now. But they'll tell you, I'm not always like Jesus. These guys and girls right here gave their life to Jesus. They're not always like Jesus. They make mistakes. They do things wrong. But when God looks at them, he sees, he, he sees the blood of Jesus applied to their lives. And we ought to look at them and say, hey, you made a mistake. Hey, I'm going to lift you up. And I'm going to help you and I'm going to take you and, and I'm going to show you a better way. It's the blood of Jesus made me redeemable, Danny. Made me singing in the choir. I'm fired up now. We're going to be here a while. And then, it, then He shows us about repenting. Acts 3.19, here's the important part. When we figure that out, when we figure out that God made Jesus to take our sin and took our place on the cross, that's when we repent. And repentance is key here. If you are sharing the Gospel, hear me, listen to me. If you are sharing the Gospel and you are not telling people about repentance, you might as well be talking to them about farming or basketball or, or soccer, whatever you, uh, what the weather, if you don't talk to them about repentance, you're not sharing the gospel with them. Understand that. If you never hear anything else I say, understand that it is about repenting. Because we change our mind, and it changes our hearts, and it changes our direction. Paul, uh, uh, Luke writes this in this great sermon that Peter preached there at Pentecost. Says, "Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that the seasons of refreshing may come from the Lord." I was telling somebody just this week. I never knew what that verse meant until I became a Christian, because I never knew what it really meant to be refreshed, because. I went to bed probably from the time I was about 12 years old till I was 28 years old. I went to bed with guilt in my life every single night. I laid down every night ashamed or guilty of something that I had done either that day or in the distant future, how I had treated someone, what I had done to someone, what I had done in my life, the sin of my life. I went to bed guilty probably for about a 16-year stretch there. But the first night that I, that I professed Jesus Christ as my Savior, I laid down that night with a peace that passes all understanding. And I understood then what it meant to be refreshed. It's refreshing to repent. It's refreshing that even after we are saved, and we, we repent often, and come back and repent for the things that we may have done, it may have interrupted or or hurt our relationship with the Lord, that fellowship that we have, and that we repent and become refreshed again. And then there's the great humility here in these verses. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this, <coughs> Paul writes these great words of humility, for you are saved by grace. By grace that only God can give you through faith that is only placed in God through Jesus And this is not from yourself, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. I've been to testimony meetings before in my life where I've heard people stand up. Some of y'all don't know what a testimony meeting is. But I've been to testimony meetings where I have actually heard people get up and talk about how good they've been that week. And I think about it now, and I realize that it wasn't any stinking thing that I've ever done. It was one thing that Jesus did. Now I can't boast about it. Jesus did it. And throughout the Bible, verse after verse speaks of the gift of salvation, the gift of Christ's work for us, the gift that means we can't earn our salvation. He gives us the gift of salvation, and then He gives us another gift on top of that, and that's the gift of the church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. Now you, that's all of us, you are the body of Christ. And individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. He begins here by saying that God has established an order. And God has given the church and he's given these things here. And Paul, who is an apostle, says that we we are here and we are here to establish these things and to leave you this gift of the church and to, to put it in order. Now look at what's taking place here we received a free gift of salvation. And that, that free gift of salvation doesn't just end there. Have you ever bought anything and you get it and you didn't realize there were some extra things thrown in with it? Is that not the most wonderful thing? When you buy something and they, say, and they didn't tell you and you get it in the mail and they threw in some free stuff? That's a good feeling. Now, let me give you guys some advice down here. Think, I want you all to understand this. All the rest of your life, you're going to hear this thing about on, on TV. For, for no extra charge, they're going to throw in this and throw in an extra one of this. And There's always strings attached. Never believe, nothing is free. Nothing is free. There's always a string attached. But here's what I want you to know about this gift of salvation. It came with bonuses. No strings attached. We get this gift of salvation and it includes eternal salvation. It includes eternity. We're going to be, when when we are saved from our sins, it should become immediately apparent to us that our life is never going to end and that because of our faith in, in Jesus and the grace of God, we're going to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And I'll start next week, October the 1st, I'll start a sermon series on heaven. Mike and I will pull away tomorrow and Tuesday and we'll spend time starting to develop these sermons and put them together. I had one of my friends asked me this question last night. He said, "Mike, I want to ask you a spiritual question. He said, are you afraid to die? I said, no, but are you offering to do it now? <laughs> I'm not really interested in going right now. I've got a lot of stuff to do. But no, I'm not afraid to die. I'm, I'm ready when God's ready. Because I know where my home is. And that's a free gift, a free bonus there of salvation is eternity. There's the bonus of forgiveness of sins by Jesus' death on the cross. There's the free, there's the free bonus of being adopted by God the Father and being able to call Him Abba Father. And then there's the even. The the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a bonus. Jesus told the disciples, when I leave, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send a helper who's going to be with you forever. When I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, immediately the Holy Spirit took up residence in my life and He will be a part of my life for eternity. And then the bonus of becoming a part of the body of Christ Membership in the body of Christ, the church, is a gift from God. It's a gift to be treasured. It's a gift to be treasured. Miss burt and I have talked a lot about this book since she got it and read it, and 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 we've talked a lot about the treasure that church membership is. And if you talk to Miss Miss burt's been a member of this church since I believe you told me 1953. 55, I made you two years older. I'm. I apologize Miss Burt since 1955 she don't want this told but she was a Methodist <laughs> she told me sitting in her living room the other day she said her husband, husband Russell told her one time said you Methodists make the best Baptists <laughs> but Miss Burt I have spent years with Miss Burt And I can tell you that I treasure that relationship. I treasure that friendship. Now, if I had never become a Christian, and God had never placed me here in this church, I would have missed out on having a relationship with Burt McCullough, who I'd consider to be one of my best friends. I'm a couple years younger than her, but I'd say we're one of my best friends. That's a gift. That's a gift. I consider every one of you in here a part of my family. Some of you don't really like me, but you love me in spite of it. You said amen? (laughs) Good grief. That's bold. I love you, brother. But we're a part of a family. God put us together, and it's a treasure. I treasure these relationships. It's a gift to be anticipated. It's a gift when we walk the aisles of this church and we say, I'm going to partner with this church and become a member here. It's a gift of anticipation to see how God will use the gifts that we have to minister and serve other people. It's a gift to be enjoyed. We get to grow in our relationship with other people and we also get to grow in our relationship with God the Father. Because we're a member of a local body. Now, there's a universal church and there's a local church. The universal church is, is all believers everywhere. There's a universal church that immediately when we become a Christian, we become a part of that universal church. Now, this morning, the universal church is meeting in Asia and Africa, Central and South America, Antarctica, South, uh, uh, the South Pole. There are Christians everywhere. Guess what? When you get to heaven, you're going to be a minority, more than likely. You ever think about that? You know, there's, there's, I can promise you, there's going to be a lot more Christians from Asia, Africa, Central and South America than there will be from the United States and Europe. But you know what? That's wonderful. All tribes and all tongues and all nations brought together. This is exclusive. The universal church. Because some people geographically can't attend our church, but they're a part of God's universal church that He established. And then there's the local church. And that's some believers somewhere. And that's where we are this morning. It's exclusive. By, ne- by definition, some people geographically are, are here in our area and they become a member of our local church. I feel like I'm a part of more than one local church. I had a prayer need yesterday or or sometime late yesterday or, or I can't remember exactly when. I had a prayer need. I sent that prayer need to a church in, help me out, Tony, Chichigalpa, Candelaria. In Candelaria, Nicaragua. I sent my prayer need to the pastor of that church and I asked him, Will you have your church pray over this need tomorrow morning at church? By 6 o'clock this morning, I got this message in Spanish with all kind of upside down exclamation points. The only word I knew was amen. But I know they prayed for me this morning. Pastor Carlos. Amen. Salute. <laughs> Y'all stop. <laughs> but isn't it wonderful to know that God has given us the universal church that we're all every Christian is a part of, and then he's put us in a local church for us to serve. Now, I believe that it's invalid to claim membership to the universal church alone. I believe that God wants each one of us to be a member of a local church and to use our gifts and our giftedness in that local church. Whether God gave you the gift of teaching, whether God gave you the gift of singing, whether God gave you the gift of administration, whether God gave you the gift of of working and, and fixing things physically, whatever that gift was, God gave you that gift for you to be a part of a local body and to edify other people and to lift those people up through church membership. You see, God had a plan back in Genesis chapter 12 when he called Abram And made him Abraham and told him, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. He had a plan to form a people that would be his people. And all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets point to a time and place where you and I, who are outside of the Jewish race, who are outside of Abraham's extended family, where you and I would be grafted in to God's family through the cross of of Calvary. And that we would have access to the free gift of salvation and to being a member of God's family through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Old Testament prophecies point to a multinational, multiracial, multiethnic church. Not just a Jewish church. So church membership is a gift. And we should receive that gift with true appreciation. I appreciate the fact that one Sunday evening, Bree, I was I was we were friends. I think it was May of nineteen ninety four. We weren't dating, but we were really good friends. God had placed us together. And Bree asked me on one Sunday afternoon to come to church with with her here on a Sunday night because she was going to come forward on a Sunday night for baptism and church membership. I was 28 years old. I had been inside this church building for one wedding and for a preschool graduation. I'd been inside this church two times. I had this preconceived notion of this church and what I thought this church was. And Bree was in love with this church. David Pasley had begun to mentor Bree and disciple Bree. And he began to bring her to church here. And Bree was in love with this church. And I came with her that night. And she walked this aisle and she came down here for baptism. And I saw this church embrace Bree. Brie would never been to church probably more than two or three times in her life, really. And she came forward in this church, 19, 19 years old. And this church wrapped their arms around her and loved her and took her in. And she began to grow as a believer and a Christian. And it was just incredible. She had this anchor here at Piedmont First Baptist Church. And that night, my conception of this church began to change. And my thinking about this church began to change. And the more I came to church with Bree here, the more that began to change. And now, it's 1994, was it, 23 years later, we've been a part of this church for most of that time when I, wasn't, when I wasn't doing interim spots or wasn't somewhere else. We've been a part of this church in one way or the other since then. And I have become to appreciate. I didn't understand that moment when she walked this aisle. I didn't understand how important church membership was. But David had discipled her and taught her how important it was. Not just to bounce around and go from here to here. And to go forward with Believer's Baptism. And become a member of a church. And to be an active participant in that church. And I began to see from Bree's life how important it was to have a church home. And I began to appreciate that. Some years later, um, a couple of years later, we were married. And I still wasn't a member of a church. But I became an interim pastor of a church. And I joined that church and I became a licensed minister. And I began to understand the great gift of church membership. And I began to understand that it was important for me to be a part of a local body and to function in that body and use the gifts that I had. And so, I want to tell you here this at this morning as we close this series out, we're going to look at this sixth pledge in a, in a minute. But there's one word I want to leave with you out of these six weeks, and that's serve. Serve, serve. Leave this life exhausted because of the service that you've given to the Lord Jesus Christ through this local body and through any other opportunity that you have. Collapse into the arms of Jesus when you leave this life. Collapse into His arms exhausted from serving. And know that someday He's going to refresh you, your soul, for eternity in ways that you can't imagine. The sixth pledge says this. I'll read this to you. It simply says this. This membership is a gift. When I received the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, I became a part of the body of Christ. I soon thereafter identified with a local body and was baptized. And now I am humbled and honored to serve and to love others in our church. I pray that I will never take my membership for granted, but see it as a gift and an opportunity to serve others and to be a part of something so much greater than any one person or member. That's an awesome statement right there. If I had a pen, I'd write down and take that pledge, but I'll sign it later. But here's what's most important. It's the thing that we talked about earlier, and that's that free gift of salvation. God, the Father, this morning, longs to have a relationship with you. Now when you get to heaven, He's not going to ask you, how many, member, how many churches you were a member of, or, or how many, you know, the, he, he's going he's to see you as a believer in Jesus, someone who has been saved by grace. But it's important that you were a member of a local body and that you used your gifts and talents there. There's reward there for that. But simply, when you leave this earth, the only thing that's going to matter is this. Did you accept the free gift of salvation? That's all that's going to matter. Five seconds after you take your last breath, you're going to realize one way or the other that all that mattered was salvation. This morning, if you're here, you've listened to my voice, and you heard these verses I used earlier about the wages of sin is death, that all of us have sinned, and we all fall short of of the mark of God and His holiness and righteousness. If you realize that this morning, I want you to, from where you are, I want you to move from there, and I want you to come right here, and I want you to let me pray with you show you through Scripture how you can know eternal life and, and freedom from the sin that you're carrying now. Maybe you're here this morning and you have drifted from the Lord. Maybe you need to come and you need to repent and refresh. Maybe you want to do that from where you're sitting. Maybe you know that you are not a member of a local body and you want to take care of that this morning through membership, through baptism, however you want to do that. Now is the time of you, for you to reflect, you to decide, and you to worship through this thing called an invitation. As Micah is going to lead us, make those decisions this morning. Would you stand as we pray? Father, thank you for the free gift of salvation. Thank you for the bonus of eternal life, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and for knowing freedom and forgiveness. Of our sins. Father this morning as we spend this time. Quietly reflecting and praying. I pray that if there are those here this morning. Who need to make some of those things right with you. I pray that they'll take this opportunity. And come. And know the peace of Jesus Christ. I ask these things in his precious name. Amen.